you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Faber. I'm John Lovett. I'm Tommy Vitor. Happy New Year, guys. We're back. Welcome right back, back, Tommy. Hi. Thank you. It's great to be here. Missed you guys. You have a child. I do. She's very cute. She eats a lot. She poops a lot. <laughs> so far, so good. That's the, that's the whole go. thing. There you go. But enough about Lovett. Let's get to the... We have a lot of news. Yeah, let's get to the news. On today's show, the House descends into chaos as Kevin McCarthy fails to win the race for Speaker on the first and second ballot. Republicans swear in a new member of Congress who made up his entire life story. And the last Congress ends by making Donald Trump's tax returns public and asking the Department of Justice to charge him with multiple crimes. And later, we'll kick off the new year with a round of Take Appreciator. But first, the Cricket Store is having a post-holiday sale. Shop bestsellers and more and get up to 75% off. Head to cricket.com slash store to shop. And also, don't miss the season finale of Radio Lingo, the newest podcast from Cricket and Duolingo. In this week's episode, host Ahmed Ali Akbar takes you on a journey through the world of secret and invented languages. Listen to new episodes of Radio Lingo today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to the news. For the first time in a century, the House of Representatives failed to elect a speaker on the first ballot and the second ballot. Thanks to a small group of right-wing extremists who accurately believe that Kevin McCarthy is an empty suit who can't be trusted. Uh, So absolutely nothing can get done in the House until at least uh, 218 of the 222 Republicans agree on a speaker. They can't even swear in the new Congress. Here's a clip of anti-McCarthy Congressman Matt Gates and pro-McCarthy Congressman Dan Crenshaw that gives you a flavor of the uh, substantive ideological debate that's splitting the Republican Party right now. If you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man and I know of what I speak. We will not vote for anyone else but McCarthy. These people think they're stubborn or more stubborn. They think they're not going to get the communities they want. Obviously they won't, but it's going to be so much worse than that. You know, they are enemies now. They have, they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda than a Republican just just wonderful. Off to a really great start. There was a uh, some member described to CNN that this is like a game of chicken, but both sides have ripped off the steering wheels. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> so we we are recording this at uh, at three thirty Eastern time on Tuesday. We pushed the recording time a little bit later because we wanted to see what would happen on the second ballot. So there were nineteen Republicans who did not vote for Kevin McCarthy on the first ballot. Those same nineteen. Didn't vote for McCarthy on the second ballot. Only in the second ballot, they all voted for Jim Jordan, who was nominated to be speaker by Matt Gates after he gave a speech, Jim Jordan, in favor of Kevin McCarthy. That's where we are right now. And uh, uh, right before we were recording, we said, all right, let's watch the second vote. And Andy, our producer, was like, well, how long is that going to be? And it was like, well, we don't know, Andy. There hasn't been one in a hundred years. A <laughs> hundred years. In between 1945 and 1995, not a single member voted for anyone other than their party's nominee on yeah. that first ballot. So yeah. this is incredibly unprecedented. 
So let's talk about what's going on here. McCarthy has spent the last few weeks, while we've all been gone, trying to win over these holdouts, specifically the five Republicans who announced that they were going to vote no, uh, no matter what. But then there was an, an additional nine that sent a letter the other night saying that the concessions weren't enough. And there's a few others that popped up today. What did McCarthy offer these holdouts and and why hasn't anything worked just yet? So, first of all, McCarthy is now saying yes to things that he said he would never say yes to a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago, one of which is this ability for uh, uh, Republicans to uh, vacate the chair, which is basically redo the speaker vote at any time. Now, originally, McCarthy said he obviously couldn't do this. Now he's agreed to do it as long as any five Republican yahoos at any time say they'd like to have a vote on a new speaker. There are obviously five votes at any time to remove him from speaker. There are 19 people who don't want to make him speaker now. So he's basically conceded to that in full. But then this very, very UK parliament. And he's, so, he's doing improv. It's yes, and. <laughs> and he conceded on a whole bunch of other things. It was actually hard this morning to figure out what he hasn't conceded to. And then you go dig into the details. And basically, this group of Republicans has said, we want to know before this vote that you're going to basically put each and every one of us in charge of each and every subcommittee that we're interested in. They wanted a budget bigger than the January 6th committees and their own legal entity to sue the Biden administration. I didn't understand what that meant. I have no idea what it means, What is Tommy. a legal entity? I was hoping that no one would ask more okay. than just what legal entity Fair was enough. because I couldn't understand what that even Google means. it, listener. <laughs> it, but I think this goes, like, Brendan Buck, who uh, used to work for Paul Ryan, has an op-ed in the New York Times today. And Boehner. Where he sa- and Boehner, right, sorry. Uh, who, where he said, um, the embarrassment is the point. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that speaks to, like, they're just making up demands I, at this point. I think point. that's right. They don't well, want Well, because he McCarthy. conceded to everything, and then they just made up a new set of demands. The no was, they were they were always working hard to get to know. The, the more pedestrian things are defunding. He will allow these uh, legislative terrorists, as uh, John Boehner once called them, to defund various parts of the executive branch that they don't like. Uh, he's going to get rid of the mags outside the House chamber because nothing violence happened in the Capitol lately. Getting rid of the, the fines for wearing masks. He said he promised to put uh, conservatives on important committees, get rid of proxy voting, virtual committee work. In love, like you're saying, the big thing is this motion to vacate. But he already completely caved on that. And so he has nothing left to give is the point. There was well, also, also uh, sorry, they want a promise for him to um, to stay at a primary so that the uh, Republican campaign committee Congressional committee doesn't support more establishment Republicans when there are yeah, uh, right wing yahoos that. running in a primary. They also said they wanted this uh, uh, church style commission to look at the the, the 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 federal government's war on the American people, which he basically said he would do. He said he would do that. Right. I mean, I think the point here is that like, McCarthy gave up everything he had to give without a guarantee for votes in return. And it seems like maybe that was his only option because the arguments against him aren't substantive. They just don't like him. Yeah. I don't think Matt Gates is like, I really want to be on X committee so I can deliver for my constituents. And it's it just it's deeply satisfying and ironic because Kevin McCarthy is the one who empowered and appeased these people for the last several years, basically since he was John Boehner's whip. Yeah. <laughs> he has been empowering these people. And now it's, you know, it's like that... Um, the uh, the Twitter meme there about the uh, the leopards. Uh, yeah, I didn't the, expect uh, the, the leopard eating party to eat my face. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the, the face eating party to eat my face. But the the other the other piece of this too is it's like this is something we've been talking about for years that like these people demand concessions and 
McCarthy gives and he gives and he gives. Now, if these were people that really were interested in getting the fruits of this negotiation, they'd vote yes on McCarthy at this point. They got a ton out of him. They did a negotiation. They got a ton out of him. There's still a no. Right. And, and so there was some some Republican member was quoted saying, I'm worried that these uh, that these defectors are not acting in good faith. Oh, are you? <laughs> right. They never were. Is that your fear? That's their whole thing. <laughs> they never have been. These acting people in good are, faith. They're, they're, they don't like Kevin McCarthy. And they're nuts. <laughs> like these people are not interested in governing in any way. They are only interested in like becoming the next Tucker Carlson or Alex Jones. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, right. They are in it for themselves. They don't really care about governing. They don't have an ideological agenda. They don't have a policy agenda. They just like to embarrass the people they can embarrass, which in this case are, you know, what, what they consider establishment Republicans. Like McCarthy and his goons keep saying, you know, our strategy is you can't beat something with nothing. They don't have an alternative candidate who can get 218 votes. So our plan is to just stay on the floor for as many votes as it takes. But like, these aren't rational people that no. they're dealing with here. If, if you're, look, you're arguing over a parking spot with a person that has nowhere to go after. You've got places <laughs> to go after. They will stay all fucking day. They're the kind of people that will stay for that parking spot till they die. They will have family and friends bring them food. Smart lawyers never ask a question they don't know the answer to. Nancy Pelosi never scheduled a floor vote that she knew she couldn't, wasn't going to win. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy's just like, YOLO, this is all I got. Let's go to the floor and try to wait it out. It's just like, what about these people make Kevin McCarthy or anyone think that they're going to be amenable to political pressure? <laughs> Right. That's what that's not what they're all about. And it they're is, in like yeah. Trump, Trump plus 40 districts. They're safe. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And it's it is a, it is satisfying to watch the same dynamic that we've been decrying between the parties playing out within this party, because we've been saying this for years, that this is not a party acting in good faith. You can negotiate with them, but there's never going to be enough. They'll never get to yes on whatever issue you want to talk about. And and we, we've and now we're seeing it exactly that same dynamic, but playing out inside of the Republican well, party. Well, you know, they used to say this about Obama, and now they'll do it about Biden. Like, well, why can't they bring around, why can't they just negotiate with the Republicans and, and get them to do what you want? And shouldn't it take more arm twisting and all this bullshit? It's like, no, they can't even, like, the leaders of their own party can't even fucking get them in line it's, here. It's funny. It's, it's, it's also a bit ironic, too. It's like, ugh, why can't this group of insurrectionists get together and pick a leader? <laughs> <laughs> don't they care about democracy? Uh, oh, 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 no, they don't. famously not. Famously a tough That's, group to wrangle. So, right. so people are probably wondering what happens now. Um, and, uh, uh, so, you know, this hey. could be resolved by the time you listen to this podcast, but it seems unlikely. This could end today. They could figure out a consensus candidate or McCarthy could somehow get all let's see there's 19 no votes i think he can only afford to lose four so yeah so he could 15. flip 15 people by the end of today Unlikely. Or, or a bunch of people could not show up for votes and reduce your win number and that's sort of the x factor in all of this yeah hopefully that doesn't happen because yeah. that would be or really fucking present. stupid that'd be if, very stupid yeah. yeah but it could theoretically go on for weeks the house of representatives cannot function it can, they can't even swear in new members until they have a speaker because so this could yeah. last for who knows just so because people, what happens is you pick a speaker, then you pass a set of rules. Those are the set, that set of rules is what allows the House to function. Otherwise, everything gets a full majority vote. This is just a group of people without a set of rules that pass everything they do by majority. That's why they're going to all these other ballots. That's why, that's why nothing can move forward without a speaker. So let's talk about who the possible McCarthy alternatives are. Wouldn't they all be worse? Worse <laughs> is hard to define here. Potentially. Yeah. 
I, I do think that like I think that there is one threshold question about who the Republican speaker will be is some of them are people that will, for the sake of the country, allow a vote on a debt limit or budget bill to go through. Now, there are ways that a bipartisan group of Democrats and Republicans can get around that. But I do think that's important. Right. Like who is who is the person that's going to relent and say we got to raise the debt ceiling without, you know, putting the country into uh, default. No one who can get uh, Matt Gates and and no. Scott Perry on, on board here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, well, so the, there's lots of talk about Steve Scalise as potentially being yeah. someone who could pull enough votes. I, I don't know. Like he, he once described himself to a reporter in Louisiana as being like David Duke without the baggage. Honestly, that sounds perfect for the So not a great book. <laughs> it and, sounds like a great fit. Yeah. Andy Biggs from Arizona is the stocking horse for the anti-McCarthy crowd. I saw Patrick McHenry from North yeah. Carolina bandied about. The nightmare scenario maybe is Jim Jordan, the, the yeah. anti-suit jacket zealot from Ohio. So that's who all the no votes have coalesced behind, at least in the second ballot. Alyssa Farah, who was Trump communications director, left the White House. She was she had previously been um, a spokesperson for the House Freedom Caucus. A great resume. She she was just saying that in fifteen, the plan was if if Hillary Clinton won the presidency, what was going to happen is the Freedom Caucus was going to challenge uh, Paul Ryan. And they were going to put up Jordan to challenge Ryan to show that Ryan couldn't get the votes. And also when they realized that Jordan couldn't, could also not get the votes, then they were going to have a consensus conservative that they all got behind to be the new speaker. And back then it was going to be then House member Mike Pompeo, Amazing. who of course went on to bigger and better things. Deeply but they're, triggering. basically she said that because maybe Jordan is sort of the stalking horse now to show that McCarthy can't get the votes because it is hard to believe that all of these Republicans, the 18 House Republicans who are sitting in Biden districts, districts that Joe Biden won, are going to back Jim Jordan. Uh, yeah, I find that hard to believe. Which too. makes you think that maybe Steve Scalise is the play here, or Patrick McHenry, or Elise Stefanik. Or the uh, MAGA <laughs> fantasy scenario is Donald Trump. Or the which, Aaron Sorkin West Wing fantasy scenario is some moderate unity candidate that the two sides come together and put forward. A moderate like Liz Cheney? There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get. I would say it's hard to get towards the uh, West Wing scenario when Jim Jordan didn't pick up any votes mm. on this second round either. No, so McCarthy didn't didn't pick off anybody who was doing a protest vote, which is a very bad sign for him. But it's not like a lot of people jump from McCarthy, so it's pretty stuck. So I do still think like like we don't know what's going to happen, but like one scenario that is just sort of like less fun but still a, a, a real possibility is McCarthy. You know, he puts on, you know, he gets down hands and knees and he crawls across broken glass and he puts in the ball gag and he takes the photos oh and he just gives in to whatever Punk. they want. Okay. That's their kink. Their kink is making him suffer so that he just really goes through the whole thing. But that's, huh. to me, that speaks to a Scalise win here because Scalise is McCarthy's number two. He gives them everything McCarthy would have given them. Yeah. No more. <laughs> but because he's not Kevin McCarthy... He can declare the victory. The funniest thing is some of these people who are voting against McCarthy saying it's not personal, it's not personal. Actually, it's the definition of it is personal. So because, personal. <laughs> because it has nothing to do with policies or rules or concessions or anything like that. It's purely that you think Kevin McCarthy is full of shit, which he is. Which they're all saying on the record. <laughs> right, and also it's a demonstration that, terms. that if they make it someone who is any if it, whoever was the first person, if they defeat the first person, 
It has demonstrated their power, regardless of the difference between Scalise and McCarthy, who might ultimately look the same in terms of what their speakership would look like, which is probably true of any of these people that end up as being speaker, because like this is the dynamic. What we are seeing now is the dynamic that will play out over the next two years. Well, that's a good let's that brings us to the next topic here, which is like what we can't predict what's going to happen right now. But what does all this say about both the Republican Party and how this House will operate over the next two years. Yeah. Well, I think like the simple biggest thing it says is that there are not 218 Republicans who want to govern. That's it. There are not 218 Republicans who will vote to do normal politics, pass normal bills, uh, uh, conduct business that they would much rather grind the Congress to a halt than let anything through if it is not purely and perfectly conforming to their ideological priors. And so what that means is for anything that we have to get through this Congress and through the Senate and to Joe Biden's desk, it is going to require uh, a bipartisan group of people and a way of getting that vote to the floor, either with the speaker's permission or outside the speaker's permission to get things through. Otherwise, uh, we will be at a situation in which these 19 people or 15 people or whatever number ultimately joins whatever fight have a gun to the head of the country, basically. And again, I think you talked about their ideological priors. I think there's only one ideology uh, that these people have, which is to own the libs. That's it. Yeah. That's their policy. That's their ideology. There is no <laughs> there's no more policy agenda or platform for the Republican Party. Yeah. Listen, this is fun to watch today, but I do think it is um, empowering the fringes of the party, the Matt Gates, the Lauren Boberts of the world. And Kevin McCarthy, if he becomes speaker, he is weak and feckless and can't deliver. If someone else becomes speaker, he or she is probably in the same boat. And again, like John Boehner called this legislative terrorism. And I think that's what Joe Biden and the Democrats should expect going forward, which is starting with the debt ceiling vote. Well, so Love it. Remember, we talked to Brian Schatz right before mm-hmm. the break, and we asked him, like, what are you going to do here? Like, <laughs> what's, what's the plan of the debt ceiling if we don't, if they didn't lift it during the lame duck? And he said the message is, you get nothing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that you, basically you don't negotiate with legislative terrorists. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oof, we're going to go with that? And it totally makes sense to me now, because watching Kevin McCarthy offer all these concessions to people in his own party and just failing miserably at it. Now we're going to have the Democrats and Joe Biden offer concessions on the debt ceiling? No, I think that is the message. You get nothing. And and then hopefully, love it, you were alluding to a, a way around sort of the debt ceiling debacle. Um, I saw this in, in Playbook the other day that people close to McCarthy were saying that there's a, a maybe a, a get-out-of-jail-free card for him if he ends up being speaker, which is... Democrats and a couple moderate Republicans or sensible Republicans, whatever you're going to call them, could file a discharge petition to force a vote, a a clean vote on a clean debt ceiling on the House floor. And then McCarthy could say, I'm against this. A lot of Republicans could whine about it, but there would be a majority in the House to pass that bill. So like you maybe there's hope that we could get the debt ceiling situation solved. But you're right. These people have no intention of governing. No, I mean, and you do see it in their demands. You see it in what Jim Jordan said when he was nominating McCarthy, but also uh, giving what seemed to be an inaugural address, uh, which ultimately <laughs> let Matt Gates to nominate Jim Jordan. Their ideology is around attention. They want attention. It's yeah. why they want the heads of these committees. They want attention to these issues. He was already conceding. The, and that, the, is, the issue is them. 
Well, it's them. It's, it's them, and it's their. It's, it's Hunter Biden. It's the manufactured right. yeah, attack right. on the American people by the IRS. It's their invented idea that the federal government is targeting people. All the nonsense that they whip up on, in the right wing echo chamber. But like that's what they want. They want the ability to have that microphone. Uh, and he even conceded in that speech. He's like, well, even though the things we pass will die in the Senate, we'll make them pay for that in 2024. So he's basically already saying the job of the next speaker is to pass a bunch of message bills, grind the government to a halt, and then do investigations and get attention. That's why their demand is for these uh, uh, subcommittee chairs. They want, they just want control over C-SPAN. They want control over these sort of television opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think they're also doing the bidding of Donald Trump. I mean, Trump could call Matt Gates, I think, and say, "Do vote for Kevin." Do yeah, this I was for wondering me. about I mean, that. I mean, it is, it is. He's noticeably silent. He's been truthing up how, a storm today, and nothing on this. Yeah, yeah. He ejects himself in every single race, but not this one. And I don't think it's because he wants the job. He just sort of like, uh, I don't think he trusts McCarthy. Um, but for Biden, I mean, I think you have to lift these clowns up and run against them. I mean, it folds into this broader narrative, like Joe Biden's. The adult in the room, he's more moderate than these kind of nutty fringe Republicans who are clearly controlling the Republican Party and run on that. These Republicans are giving Joe Biden and the Democrats the opportunity to run the same play they just ran in the midterms. We just had an election where swing state voters rejected MAGA grifters up and down the ballot uh, because they thought they were too extreme. And now Republicans in Washington have essentially put them in charge of the House. Whether yeah. Kevin McCarthy pulls this out or not, they are in charge. There are 18 House Republicans in districts that Joe Biden won. Many of them are in New York and California, two states where the difference between turnout in a midterm and a presidential turnout in 2024 will almost certainly help the Democrats. And if I'm the Democratic Party, if I'm Democrats running like Joe Biden or, or Democrats in the House and the Senate, I would run against the chaos and extremism of the Republican Party and use the House as the prime example of that over the next two years. And who knows what's going to happen over the next two years. But uh, what's happening today, I think, does set the tone for exactly what we're going to see, yeah. whether it's the debt ceiling, whether it's the government funding, whether whatever it may, whether it's the investigations into Hunter Biden. These are not serious people. I have obviously been um, uh, half tuned into politics in between diaper changes. Why is Joe Biden doing something tomorrow with Mitch McConnell in Kentucky? So, you know, the infrastructure bill. I heard of that. Yeah, you heard that about thing. that, right? So now they're finally doling out the money and they're finally, you know, start starting projects. Remember the um, Brent Spence Bridge between how could I forget that Kentucky you know for, did, for the listeners at home we did tell, so tell many events there it was a broken bridge between Cincinnati and Kentucky between the Ohio and Kentucky side and you'd go there and you'd talk about why infrastructure in the country was was broken and we need to fix it and rebuild and but then we'd never pass an infrastructure uh -huh. bill sure sure sure, sure. <laughs> so now the, the, the bridge is finally hey, going to be fixed that's great I'm glad wow. we could do that solid what a nice McConnell. story so Biden is going with Sherrod and McConnell and like the senators and Congress and members of Congress from Ohio and Kentucky to, to do that tomorrow. So his plan, at least, you know, they have kind of an on the nose metaphor, but kind of an on the nose metaphor. Sure. So the New York Times said that this is part of their plan to sort of, you know, Biden's plan is to stay above the political fray, let all this, you know, craziness in the House go on and show that, you know, he's been bipartisan and actually gotten a lot done. Cool. I like how McConnell's trying to do a big event today about himself, being like, I'm the longest serving leader since <laughs> Mark Mansfield. Like, what? Wasn't that good? Thank you. Pretty good. Thank you. you just kind of gargle. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. Hey, there. we'll see. Hey, uh, watch the space. <laughs> Listen here. Hey, um, all these predictions are wrong. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down. Not do what generations of New Englanders have done. Just stuff their feelings down. Maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No. You got to talk to someone. You got to work it out. Get it off your chest. And just by doing that, you will feel better. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P-S-A. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Speaker fiasco isn't the only embarrassment facing House Republicans. Um, They're also about to swear in, again, if there ever is a speaker and they can start swearing in members, a new member of Congress who's been caught lying about his race, religion, heritage, education, employment, philanthropy, marital status, the circumstances of his mother's death, and even his name. George Santos, also known as Anthony DeVolder. (laughs) won a Long Island seat in an upset so surprising that he escaped even the most basic scrutiny until the New York Times began to unravel his entire life story a few weeks ago. Uh, Santos has admitted to some of his lies, is now being investigated by federal prosecutors, the Nassau County District Attorney, and Brazilian law enforcement (laughs) for potential financial and campaign fraud. Um, But as of today... He's about to be a member of Congress. So, first of all, this guy flew too close to the sun. All right. He just went too far. You You can't just too big of a scam. You tried to pull too big of a scam, buddy. Uh, One thing that's really funny is he's literally sitting. First of all, Kevin McCarthy can't criticize this guy. He needs his fucking vote. vote. And so he's sitting there uh, voting uh, for Kevin McCarthy in these speaker votes uh, by himself. Nobody will go near him. He's basically like radioactive. But one one member of Congress uh, walked up because I think he didn't recognize him. Walked up and said, "Hi, I'm so and so. What's your name?" He said, "I'm George Santos." The guy just turned around and walked away. <laughs> he's a pariah that can't go near him. So he lied. He's, so he's been avoiding for that reason. He's been avoiding um, reporters. He's been avoiding people, and and that's been ever since he went on um, Tucker Carlson's program. Huge mistake. And starring uh, Tulsi was grilled by Tucker Carlson's understudy slash protege, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. We have a clip. We can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman. Is it and debatable or is it long. just false? But, uh, no, is it's it debatable very, no, or it's is very it just debatable. false? I, no, 
No, it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. I can I can sit down and explain to you what you can do in private equity, in, in capital intro, via servicing limited partners and general partners. And we can have this discussion that's going to go way above the American people's head. But that's not what I campaigned on. I campaigned on delivering results wow. for the American people. This is not about settling scores. And I think you just you just kind of highlighted, I think, my concern, the concern that people at home have. You're saying that this discussion will go way above the heads of the American people, basically insulting their intelligence. So not only are you now that's backtracking not, that's on not these what I'm lies saying. that I, you've told, but, but you're saying that, that you can't explain it saying. in a way that your constituents would actually be able to understand. I can explain it in a way if, you give, me, if you give me the time, I can easily give the, if you give me the time, I can easily explain it for you. <laughs> so just the full, the full list. Uh, he claimed he earned a college degree. wasn't true. Claimed to be Jewish. Two now, college degrees. Two college degrees. Neither true. Neither. He didn't even attend either college. Uh, claimed to be Jewish, but now said he meant he was like Jewish. Yeah. Uh, even he said Yahweh he was at, like, I never heard of this guy. Didn't work at Citigroup. <laughs> didn't work at Goldman Sachs. He claimed he had multiple coworkers die in the Pulse nightclub Four shooting. Made oh, that I up. That one. He said he owned thirteen properties. Doesn't own any. Any. Said he ran a pets charity that claimed to rescue thousands of, of dogs. As far as we can tell, the charity doesn't exist. Uh, he also has said he was gay for a decade. Is he? Because he was married to a woman until 2019. His divorce wasn't finalized until 12 days before he announced. I think we know that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the part that, so maybe, look, whatever, whatever, whatever journey he's on, good for him. But the point is that he said he was openly gay for a decade, but he was married to a woman until days before he filed. He was evicted from his apartment for not being able to pay rent. But then soon after, he loaned his campaign hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that to me is the part that like, yeah, he got a bunch of cash somewhere. Where is this money coming from? And he paid for rent at a house that he said his staff lived at, but apparently he was living there. And ultimately went from being broken and unable to pay rent to claiming a net worth of eleven million dollars in a short span of time. So that's that all, is where I think I think that's that's all, that's the police got to start looking. This is all great, but you missed my two favorites, okay. which was uh, they came from his own responses on Twitter. Uh -huh. One, someone said what races are you? And he said, Caucasian and black. Not true. Yep. Uh, and then uh, he said that his mother died on 9-11. Uh, uh, but then later, then years later in 2016 said, oh, she just died. Well, also that that she he also had someone claim that she was in the towers on 9-11, no, but didn't die. That's the, the there are mul <laughs> I think he has multiple <laughs> claims about his mother's connection to 9 I think she did work in the towers uh, and then died in like 2016. And he tried to say it was because of exposure. Like soon after. But there's absolutely no evidence that was the case. So the question is, how did <laughs> none of this come out during the campaign? Uh, dropping balls yeah like new year's i mean there's um, everybody dropped the ball here yeah i'd say that um like when a car crash when a car crashes one thing can go wrong when a plane crashes everything went wrong <laughs> and it just seems like every single person dropped the ball the media like like except new, the new york times new york times covered it but it was in december now i went back hey, and looked the zimmering camp it. i heard maggie saved it all for her book Oh my God. <laughs> the people, the people who were yelling at the New York Times when they read it, it's like, guys, I don't, they don't have time to cover literally everything. Anyway, I do, I do think that there's something, something was happening during the campaign because the Zimmerman campaign put out a statement after the Times story came out, like, this doesn't come as a shock. We were trying to draw attention to some of this, like, okay, buddy. Um, if you go back and look at what the DCCC was saying about Santos, so they had some of this in a research they had, doc. They had yes. some of it. You've seen some, of but this. I, but I just think it's worth like the way that they were talking about Santos. They kind of treated him a bit more like a normal candidate. Basically, this is what the this was like the 
Maloney's statement on their big kind of like oppo dump about him, which is that like he was a jo- from joining insurrectionists uh, to overturning Roe. Santos has a radical record. He's not there. Are better, you know, like he was sort of going through the litany and then it says Long Island voters will once again make sure George Santos fails in his effort to get to Congress. And they describe him as like his shady dealings. And so like on a litany of things, the fact that he was lying about some of his shady dealings was like part of the story. But they never hammered him. But as just a fraud, a straight up yeah. fraud. Here's the thing. When you're in like a Democratic primary and you're trying to be subtle with your oppo hits, you pitch them to reporters, you try to launder them through news outlets, you get people to write things for you. When you're in a general election running against a guy who said, I went to NYU, but he didn't. I started a dog and cat rescue charity that doesn't (laughs) exist. You just tweet it out. You know what I mean? Just put the story out yourself. And the fact that they didn't do that suggests to me they didn't know the extent of it. They somehow hadn't found all of this. Like, listen, opposition researchers, self-researchers, they miss things. I remember Reverend, right? I'm yeah. sure you guys too. It <laughs> took us a little too long to remember it. It was, a, it was yeah. a challenge back in 2008. But like, this is just a catastrophic failure. Right? Yeah, that's a good point because there's a, I've noticed quite a few stories that sort of folds this into a larger story about the decline of local news, you know, and they said that also news, true. Newsday was like busy covering a lot of the other races on Long Island. And 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 look, George Santos ran in 2020, lost by 12 points. So there was, on the Republican side, Democratic side, and media all thinking like, eh. Known this quantity. Is, this kinda, is not, there's yeah. too many races to cover that are close. This isn't one of them, right? But you're right. Like, you, you're the Democratic campaign. You have this stuff. Tweet it out. He, he also said he was an early COVID survivor. I think he said yeah, he got oh, in March of 2020. I actually yeah. didn't. When I was yeah. reading about Santos, all of a sudden I realized that we were introduced to George Santos uh, uh, years ago because he was the gay guy at Mar-a-Lago that said the Times covering his massless attendance to a Mar-a-Lago party in January 2021 forced him and his fiance to leave their home and caused his fiance, a pharmacist, to lose their job. Everyone, I don't remember this at all. I don't it, either. It, wasn't, it was just in this story at the time. Like He was just like, oh, the media is attacking me and destroying my life. Probably wasn't true at all. He was probably making it all up. Incredible. But he was just, it was just at the time, he was just another random Trumpy congressional candidate. I do like... Describing him as a shady Wall Street bro does feel like the paint by numbers version of how you attack this guy. And they never really flip the switch to really hammer home that what they were finding that he was a fraud. Because even even when they were putting out this oppo, they knew that he had made up this charity. Listen, as a card carrying bro, I think we're letting that the aperture on that term just get too broad. You know, just be like, it's a general matter. We just got to be more specific with our criticism. Hashtag not all bros. You know what I mean? Like this guy is just a serial fabulous. Go with that. I yeah. don't even like the word. Fabulous is such a... It's yeah, that the sounds funny. Yeah. I don't know. Man. He's fabulous. He's amazing. <laughs> the f- yeah. Yeah. Like fabulous. Even like the talented Mr. Ripley stuff, I'm like, yeah, don't... don't yeah, the talented kind of... Yeah, exactly. Colors um, it. All right, so a handful of House Republicans have called on Santos to resign, but most have just refused to say anything about him per usual. Nancy Pelosi seems to think Republicans could pay a political price for this. She told reporters that Santos is now, quote, tattooed on the party. Is she right? Uh, I, uh, what I mean, that clearly mean? they got bigger fish to fry today. Yeah, Santos like, is sitting there all alone, you know, making up more stories. But Kevin McCarthy can't even win the speaker. They got a lot of ta- look. If 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 they're tattooed by their worst members, they, there's like very little space left to get more tattoos. They yeah. got Marjorie Taylor Greene. They got <laughs> Lauren go. Boebert. They got Jim Jordan. They have the worst. Matt Gates. They are they're tattooed, tattooing all over. with Jewish space lasers all yeah. over the place. <laughs> all already. over the place. A, a lot of Jewish space laser tattoos. Hard to do. They're certainly trying. Um, <laughs> House Democrat Richie Torres <laughs> introduced a bill. 
that would require candidates to disclose under oath their employment, educational, and military history. It's called the Stop Another Non-Truthful Office Seeker Act. <laughs> Anyone know what that stands for? Santos. That's it's pretty the good. Santos Act. That's, that's pretty like great. That. That's like pretty that. great. I do uh, think how, what they do with this guy will be another chapter in the Republican Party's uh, just total disregard for facts and character and credibility. I mean, Donald Trump is, I think, still going to be the uh, the lead case when you're prosecuting that one, but this Santos is, adds to it. Yeah, exactly. This I think this fills in the story that, they've, that we've been trying to tell, right? You throw him in the bucket of here's another kooky right-wing extremist who's not fit to govern, just like the rest of them in Congress. Yeah, I do. I also, I, I, I think the, uh, there's a lot of, the the math here, the money doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so there's shoot. criminality here that's going to be and exposed. The Brazil piece too. Yeah, he's he's got problems back in Brazil yeah, too. The, the party's got sociopaths, they got criminals, they got both. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's a lot. That's he's both. Uh, one sociopath Republicans won't be able to run away from so easily is Donald Trump. Uh, since our last episode, the January sixth committee voted unanimously to refer criminal charges against the former president to the Justice Department for four charges, obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, making false statements, and inciting an insurrection. Uh, Democrats in Congress also released six years of Donald Trump's tax returns. Yeah, there's a, th- there's, there's a deep cut. Tax returns. Uh, after the Supreme Court ruled that he could not keep them private. Anything noteworthy to you guys in Trump's tax returns or the January 6th committee's final report? On the tax returns, I mean, I, I I think it had been out there, but I don't know that it was totally confirmed that he had these foreign bank accounts. Like, you, he had to have had some sort of foreign uh, banking presence in places like the UK, I think, because he had the Scotland course. But the fact that he had an account in China is notable, is weird, yeah. I think is politically dangerous for him. That was part of the debate, one of the Biden-Trump yeah. debates, because it was a New York Times story. It came up, yeah. but then we confirmed it. And then I do like that Trump promised every year to donate his presidential salary to charity, and then he just refused to do it in 2020. So I do think along the line of the um, the secret Chinese bank account, which I just remember is just a fun, yeah, <laughs> secret Chinese a, bank fun Obama line. In 2017, Trump paid more in foreign taxes than he mm. did in U.S. taxes. That was good. America yeah, I mean, he, first. He just inherited all his money and then his businesses run at a loss. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, I feel like it put a lot more, we had a little bit more information on some of the more like nefarious tax avoidance strategies that Trump uses, uh, making big loans to his children that they pay interest on, which is really just a way of giving them a tax-free gift. Right. Uh, like these deductions that he's taken for not developing land, which is a pure fucking scam. He ha- he buys a bunch of land and then he says, uh, I'm not putting a golf course on it. Give me, I can deduct that because if there were a golf course, I'd make a bunch of money. Like there are scams like that all over his tax return. And the only question is whether or not, actually not even specific to Donald Trump, whether the IRS as an institution cares about these big ticket violations versus what they normally do, which is go after uh, small time kind of <laughs> uh, 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 like of normal income taxpayers. But the whole point of the money we just gave the IRS was to make it possible for them to investigate and look at cases like this. The only reason he pays any taxes is because of the AMT. Yeah. Anything on uh, to close, close the book here on the January 6th committee, which is now uh, wrapped up. So we're now we're just waiting for Merrick Garland to see what he does um, on the criminal referrals, even though they're sort of on their own track anyway. Uh, but there's also, there was a final report released and there was just a a avalanche of documents texts every evidence that the uh that the committee also released uh along with the report 
I would say for a committee that I think for the most part was masterful in using the media to get their information far and wide, a news dump like three hours before Christmas was like a huge fucking mistake. It's just like it's over. Like I think that the as a result. I don't know. What else could they have done? Uh, got it out earlier. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some I think of the, it was just a time like they. I, yeah, yeah, either, I, I, you know, listen, I, I'm, I have two minds about this. I agree with you. I mean, a lot of these it may just be transcripts. It may just be an unfortunate. What would it have? I guess I, yeah. What would it have done if it was? I mean, it's the damage is. It's all out there. They I mean, got them. They got it out there for history. <laughs> I mean, we now know that like the will be wild tweet he wrote himself, and then yeah. he ad libbed a lot of the most incendiary stuff at the January six. More details. Rally. About, more details about the fact that he himself was like wanted to go yeah. with them to the Capitol. Talk about walking. There, walking there, you know, the Sorkin look, approach, the secret, the 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 Tony Ornato, you know, Secret Service thing. That was that's all the color we needed on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, right. I think we were pretty clear. Well, that's what the point. I think I think what I took away from the the final release is uh, the January committee's uh, report was the friends we made along the way. It was the <laughs> it was what we got out of these national hearings and the attention it brought to it before the midterms. I think it was good to put all this stuff out there for history for reporters to to comb through. I mean, it also, look, the whole process shows you that obstruction of justice uh, is frustratingly effective. You know, like Dan Scavino just refused to talk and he will not be prosecuted. And I'm sure that guy could have filled in a lot of holes, a lot of people that I don't recall and just kind of lied their way through it. But we did like it, it there, some loops were closed. Like Trump does the call with Brad Raffensperger where he asked for just a few more votes. And then he jumps on a call with Rudy Giuliani, then another one with Mark Meadows, and another one with Steve Bannon. So like the closed circle of who he was really collaborating with on that Georgia approach becomes clearer because of these this release. I don't know. You have Hope Hicks whining about her image and becoming yes. unemployable. Like well, a little anecdotes that's that will live with this. I don't think anything them, I mean. I don't think they released anything that was more damning than information that we already knew. Yeah. I think there was some fun color. Like there you know, Trump wanted a trademark rigged election. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the, the Hicks the Hicks Ivanka chief of staff stuff was great. These texts between yeah. Hope Hicks and Ivanka's chief of staff. Carly Kloss, supermodel who uh, is married to Josh Kushner, mm-hmm. Jared's brother, she tweeted during the insurrection that Trump's response was anti-American. And so Ivanka's chief of staff sends that tweet to Hope and they start complaining about it. And they say, I can't believe her. She's unreal. Ivanka's so pissed. And then they start going back and forth. uh, And Hicks says, in one day, Trump ended every future opportunity that doesn't include speaking engagements at the local Proud Boys chapter. <laughs> and all of us that didn't have jobs lined up will be perpetually unemployed. I'm so mad and upset. We all look like domestic terrorists now. This has made us all unemployable, like untouchable. God, I'm so fucking mad. It's just just great fun. So <laughs> selfish. Also just like an am- am- amazingly perfect. It, yes. it, you know what, honestly? And sadly, she was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's also, the worst part. She made like a million and a half working right. at Fox that's News. That's the worst part. The it's also the wrong. exact yeah, everybody was wrong about what the consequences of insurrection. But that, in the same way, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy spoke out against it. They, yeah. the uh, the great sin that Donald Trump committed was making them less electorally successful. And the great sin for Hope Hooks Hicks is that she couldn't get another job. Mark yeah. Milley said he had to talk the Trump administration out of court-martialing retired military officers who criticized oh, Trump. Right. Yeah, that was... Lots of just color. A lot of anecdotes that I don't know remind you of how completely out of control that period was. Well, so Trump's been taking all this in stride uh, after a, a truth the other day where he wished a happy new year to um, radical left Democrats, Marxist lunatics, clueless rhinos and China loving Coco Chow and her obedient husband, Mitch. 
Uh, yeah, it's just he said it wasn't his fault that Republicans didn't do well in the midterms. It was, quote, the abortion issue poorly handled by many Republicans. He specifically criticized them for taking a position on abortion that was no exceptions. Is he right? Uh, is he right that that was a problem? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> These are two problems. He's two. He's uh, they were both problems. He was one of the problems. And this was the other. <laughs> one. There were two big problems. He was one. And this was the other. Absolutely true. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And also uh, his judges uh, allowed the other to happen. So congrats. I think it is interesting um, for what that says about the primary that we're about to see if there is a Republican primary, <laughs> if, if someone else announces against Donald Trump, because you have Trump who clearly sees that abortion and the way that Republicans handled abortion did not go too well and seems willing at least to take a position on it that is a little less extreme than some of the Republicans did in the midterms. And then we've talked about DeSantis before, Trump's potential biggest challenger who has only signed the 15-week ban in Florida. And you wonder if abortion politics in the Republican primary is going to be different than you might expect based on what happened in the midterms? My guess, I, I think that the far right sort of anti-abortion people are some of the most transactional human beings out there, the sort of right wing evangelical Christians. And they are thrilled to work with an imperfect vessel with imperfect views in history, yeah. as long as he will do their bidding. And Trump did their bidding for four years and gave them the courts they wanted. I think that's right, and which is why I think we could see a different a different kind of primary than we might expect yeah, on, on that I, issue. You also see it not, I mean, if it's a DeSantis-Trump debate, you can see it kind of falling by the wayside as DeSantis always goes back to a line about the bill he passed in Florida. Right. Right. Uh, Something and, that neither of them actually want to bring right. up. And That's Trump, what I'm saying. And Trump yeah. taking credit for yeah. appointing these judges. Although Trump has for years, for years, uh, been like, look, this is what these wackadoos want. They want me to do these judges. Right. I'll do these judges. But I'm a little worried that it's going to be bad for us. Like he's always said that. For us and me personally. And for me, and especially, <laughs> well, us, I mean me. I don't, you are just uh, meat zombies that wander around to serve me. I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what happens to any of you sacks of flesh. I was going to say. Uh, yeah, no. Servile no tools no to my one, own mind. No one hates Trump base more than Donald Trump. That's no exactly one. right. But I mean, you did see, I mean, to your point about the primary, John, Mike Pence was, quote, tweeting some group called SBA Pro-Life who were out there saying the approach to winning on abortion is to have the clearest contrast with extreme Democrats. And, and Pence retweeted that saying, well said, SBA Pro-Life, whatever that is. Again, these guys are trying to subtweet their way to victory against Donald Trump in a Republican primary. And you I just the I don't think is, that's going to work. Unfortunately, the base is not pro-life when it comes to Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, that's too we'll bad. Leave it there. That's funny. The, right. yeah. But the, I do think like uh, there's there's there as an the, outside of Trump and DeSantis, there is an intra-Republican debate about abortion amongst those who have recognized that it cost them votes in this, which is on the one side, you have the people who said it cost us votes and good. That was the, that we said we would do yeah. this and it was worth it. And there's the people like Mike Pence who are trying to make an argument that we just got outplayed. They painted us as extremists on the issue. Our position is actually popular. They're the extremists. We need to run harder on abortion. Anyway, it seems like the Republican Party's in great shape. <laughs> Cheers. Happy 2023. All right. When we come back, Elijah Cohn will be here, our chief take officer to, uh, Get us through another round to take appreciator. You can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. 
Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. All right, we're back. Before we go, our chief take officer, Elijah Cohn, is here with us once again to play a game of Take Appreciator. Elijah, how's it going? Happy New Year. It's great, guys. Happy New Year. <laughs> Good breaks. You got some takes? Yeah, I got I got some takes. <laughs> you just been collecting takes for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, people have been throwing at me. True. There's no off button for takes. Content never sleeps. <laughs> I love the banter we do before. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Let's set the tone for the upcoming <laughs> okay. year in takes. Do I still need to explain how the game works? Do, does everyone know? Should I still I explain it for so. the no. audience? Okay, let's just get right into no. it. If you don't know how it works, you'll figure it out. It's pretty easy. Let's start by looking backwards. From the Washington Post, we have a piece titled... The 10 Worst Things Joe Biden Did in 2022. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got this one. I know who it is. Yeah, well, it's great. Is it Mark Thiessen? (laughs) Come on. It is Mark (laughs) Thiessen. He also wrote the 10 best things uh, Biden did. He's trying to be uh, a even-handed straight shooter. Wow, both sides. Both sides. sides. Hey, look at that. Yes. Uh, I'll get to that. Trying out for a New York Times column, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But sorry, Elijah, continue. A preemptive strike against David French. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for, for our Good stuff. excerpt Good we'll stuff. just jump straight to number one the worst thing joe biden did in 2022 was quote he slow rolled military aid to ukraine out of fear of provoking vladimir putin here's the kicker as tommy noted there was a 10 best things less not the number one best thing joe biden did was quote he saved ukraine yeah i mean consistency is not <laughs> um what? Uh, high on mark's list of things he cares about also, did he slow roll you? Fun? <laughs> Maybe. I, well, look, we're not in nuclear war. It seems like it's going pretty well <laughs> yeah. the Ukrainian side compared to Putin. So it's a low bar, but it's a bar we got to clear. Yeah, that's you a, know? that's my bar. You know what? I think that was just eh. pretty dumb. Pretty weak effort I'm not even, on I'm Mark saying, Thiessen. I'm saying no politicos. Ooh. I'll definitely give him one. No, I'm I'm not, I, I can never. I can okay. never give. He did the ten Mark best. Thiessen. What? We're not going to applaud Mark Thiessen for doing ten best. That Are we going to applaud uh, Roger Stone oh, for wow. putting Joe Biden on his uh, top ten uh, best dress list? That was weird. <laughs> that was weird. What, what do you call uh, Bannon? Like a slob Johnny Cash or something like that? I, I, I Usually, you can't get on that list without sleeping with him. 
<laughs> oh boy. One one politico from me. Yeah, same. Me too. It's good. Bipartisanship is back. <laughs> <laughs> so says Paul Gosar. All right. So we'll move on to number two. This is very requested yesterday. Uh, it's a piece from The Atlantic titled, The Senate Needs More Kirsten Cinemas. Oh, boy. Uh, this piece- I couldn't. I think I ahead. saw this I, and I, I couldn't, didn't click I couldn't on recognize it. Who, I, didn't see... I couldn't recognize the author either. I don't know who that was. I didn't click on it. I saw the. I saw it go by. Oh, was it Connor Fürstdorf? You don't even want to hear the excerpt. We're just going straight to guessing. Yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah, sorry, 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 getting ahead sorry, of the game. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, you're two for two. I obviously. know what I think about the take. It sucks. I think you do need to explain the rules, Elijah. <laughs> yeah, God. Let's no, hear the take. No respect for let's the format. Let's hear the take. Let's hear okay, the take. Okay, let's go for it. Here's the quote. Uh, Although three independents who caucus with the Democrats may not be enough of a change to make Congress more popular or less dysfunctional, ten independent senators could wield real clout as a swing block. 15 or 20 independent senators would transform the institution and offer encouragement to the many American voters whose policy preferences do not neatly align with Democrats or Republicans. We already know uh, it's Connor's Friedersdorf, so... No, you got it. Oh, it was Connor. Congrats. Yeah, I, just, I just couldn't say his last name. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go two politicos on this one. It's not really... It's not really getting my... Uh, getting my hackles up. It's pretty stupid, though. The... the, the Oh, imagine if there was ten or fifteen independents. What? Where are you getting this from? Where are they coming from? Where? What has made you think this is a possibility? Yeah, I'll give it a two, but I also, I, I too, am exhausted by um, takes that describe some sort of fantasy land yeah. politics. Well, it's also just very like Aaron Sorkin reality. sort of, and it's also like finally uh, the the all the Americans that look and think like me will finally have their tribune. And it's like you are alone, my friend. Uh, you're, there's no one this like this a cosmopolitan libertarian type you have no one there's no one with you also wheeling and dealing uh joe biden is uh is is leading the democratic party right now he's cutting deals he's uh passing bipartisan legislation what are you talking about we need more independence in the center the republican party's fucking crazy and, and we just <laughs> and, and he's having like you could have done maybe you writing this nonsense a year ago there's been an incredible week months of bipartisan legislation yeah, passing right. over and over again. infrastructure All right the chips thing that we love and care about three, so much three and a half got me <laughs> Wow, got, John, got John worked himself got into a three and a, three I worked myself politicos. up from two to three and a half. He's got right. three and a half politicos. Can I get wow. you to? Can I get yeah. you to four? The no, you no. cannot. You absolutely cannot. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just going to say the common criticism same. of this was that you know it's like oh the three parties Democrats Republicans and Independents who are a uniform group with policy positions they agree on. Also true. Also true. Well, yeah, but that's what's silly about this whole thing is I know we've all decided that parties are bad, just sort of by definition, but really what they are is just a way to group people based on what they believe. I, I think politicians should believe in things and vote accordingly. So you're kind of going to end up ending up in groups. Hmm. Just how it goes. There's a, the, most of the people that argue for some kind of broader independent movement or independent party are people who want a uh, Democratic Party with a new name that isn't getting attacked by Republicans. Yeah, yeah, forward, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they want, they like, you know, they're, they're always the same. They want a center-left political system. They just don't like that it's Democrats doing politics to actually make that happen. There should be no labels. No labels. So we're at three and a half. Anyway. We're staying at three and a half. Okay. Well, I am, but... It, I'm at two. I'm sticking with my two. Same. Okay. Well, now we're coming to a fork in the road. We're instead of just Ooh, going to a third okay. take ahead of you are four takes. 
Some of them are normal take oh, appreciators. God. Some of them are just fun topics that we thought would be good to talk about. And also, I think we'll do well on TikTok uh, if we talk about okay. them. Uh, <laughs> the first path will lead you to Andrew Tate slash Greta Thunberg. The next path Terrible will person. lead you to Andrew Glass Tate, Onion, the film. Uh, the next path okay. will lead you to height, like how tall you are. And the final path will lead you to Southwest Airlines and Pete Buttigieg. Which path would you like wow. to take? Oh, wow. I, I, I've, I've been familiar with all four uh, examples of all four of those takes. I've, I have I've, not. I have not. I'm, I've avoided Glass Onion News because mm, I still need to watch it. Mm, and I, I, saw, haven't, I, I haven't finished it. The Crown yet, so I'd like to skip that one. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'll just say I saw it and then I did read the Ben Shapiro thread on it. So I am, Oh my God. We say can, no more, please. We can talk about it, Elijah. His take after, was the I'm take. Sure, so. I'm sure that's... I knew that. I knew, of course. You can't... Elijah resisting a Ben Shapiro take? Come on. That's not even... That's not possible. I know. Mark Thiessen's my new fave. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that we, one's we out. Choose. That one's out. So the short thing is was sort of just with that one op-ed. Hmm. Not that interesting to About me. How, it's, it's a good time to be short? Yeah, something like that. I, will never, say that, I agree. I will say... Southwest is tempting. Let's do Southwest. Okay. Okay. Although I kind of then want to know what your yeah. Well, let's your do Southwest. And you know what? There's no rules. We're doing we're doing Southwest and we're doing Greta Thunberg. Yeah. There you go. Let's do let's it. Let's go. Right. Let's do it. All right. Southwest. We'll go to Southwest first. I got to scroll down. <laughs> so this is a piece from FoxNews.com titled "Is Pete Buttigieg's Political Future Grounded Forever After Southwest Holiday Travel Disaster?" <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, this piece is about the disastrous meltdown. That Southwest Airlines had over the holidays, I witnessed it firsthand. It resulted in a huge amount of delays and canceled flights. Uh, and naturally, the implications for Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Uh, here is a quote. For almost every Democrat, and sadly too many Republicans, the federal government is the immediate scapegoat of every problem under the sun, even in the private sector. Gone are the days of free markets and letting consumers punish Southwest by choosing other airlines. For a Democratic Party soon in search of its next leader, Christmas 2022 could be a make-or-break moment for one of the potential contenders. I don't know if you guys are going to get what this from this what, author. What What is this argument, even? It, what, they're insane. saying that, that they shouldn't blame Pete Buttigieg? Well, I... Yeah, they kind of zagged where I thought they were going to yeah, Me too. <laughs> that they're saying that we shouldn't depend on the government to do anything about the airlines like, fucking up, and we should just... Uh, just put our money in what <laughs> i guess they're saying that because democrats are responsible for why the government is so involved in the airlines therefore the democrats are responsible for what happens when the airlines fail regardless no pete Buttigieg will not pay a permanent political price for a weekend of weather related southwest issues even though there is a real issue in which for years for many years, having nothing to do with Pete Buttigieg, we've allowed too many airline mergers and we've allowed the airlines to get away with murder. We did deregulation. Uh, and as a result, these airlines can now run. They're running They're running much fuller flights with much fewer uh, um, uh, 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 backups or rooms for problems. They, they cancel with impunity. They mistreat passengers with impunity. Like there is a big problem here, but it's really, really hard to blame well, to, Pete Buttigieg. Well, to the point of whatever this was, uh, we can't just have 
consumers punish the airlines or vote with their wallets here because they don't have that much choice because it's just, because, because of all the mergers. The yeah. mergers that, that should never have been allowed to go through yeah. that reduce competition and, and put people at the it's at the whims of these horrible giant a, airlines. It is not a competitive market. If I'm going to get in a tin can that goes to 30,000 feet, I'd like the government to be involved in the, the regulation of yeah. that. It's either the government or Elon. That's yeah. the only people that no. I'm trusting. On <laughs> You're right. Good point. Um, I'm gonna. I'm saying three politicos for that. That that gets three for me. See, I'm going down to two because I just think it was so poorly. I, I don't. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go three because it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, this guy's his thing is that Pete's most intense criticism came from the left, uh, so they could like affect it maybe in a primary. Yeah, the, well, the, there's the, certainly some people. Who some of the Bernie, Pete yeah, some of the Bernie folks for, from the primary well, who are far more focused on you know airline specific issues. Uh, during that time period than they might otherwise have been. But there have been a lot fine. of people on Fox News that like went after Pete for this. Like, oh, so you want the government to step in and more heavily regulate and control the airlines. Fine, let's do that. Great. Good. Yes. Uh, should we go down the Greta Thunberg, Andrew Tate path? Let's do it. This, yeah, is let's grand, do it. this is the grand finale here. All right. So this requires some setup uh, because I know a lot of people here are less online than we are over the break. An internet <laughs> shock jock misogynist named Andrew Tate sent a tweet mocking climate activist Greta Thunberg. He basically said he has a lot of gas-guzzling cars, and he asked for Greta's email so he could give her more information. She replied, quote, send it to smalldickenergy at getalife.com. <laughs> <laughs> Reply that way. Take a viral. Just imagine, you're, just, you're trying to troll a teen, and you get absolutely bodied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Uh, to make this discourse crazier, Andrew Tate was shortly... Thereafter, arrested uh, for human trafficking in Romania. Um, you guys with me so far? And do you want to comment on the story generally before we get to the actual take here? Uh, no, it's an extremely bad human being. Yeah. I, uh, yes, and I he's also way worse than say, Shock Chuck. I think he's like uh, a really. He probably will do some time. As, yeah, I was going to say, as the human trafficking charge shows, he is a uh, despicable. I also will just say that like this is one of the people that Elon wanted to have their platform back. Yeah, uh, this is somebody that that Elon felt was needed in the discourse and granted him such a platform. Yeah, his uh, <laughs> his uh, sanctuary. Yes, I wrote sanctuary. the beginning of the paragraph before the end, and in hindsight, I should have described him at the top as a convicted human trafficker, or you know, arrested Cute. for human trafficking. Um, anyway, here's one of the most viral takes to arise from this incident. If you aren't familiar with Andrew Tate, again, he's an extreme men's rights activist and misogynist. Quote. The Andrew Tates of the world would not exist if men weren't demoralized, degraded, and confused about what masculinity is and isn't. Thanks, feminists, for the absolute shit show you created. Wow. Wow. It's disgusting. There you go. That's the full that's the full playbook. I, I know it's like the, the playbook scale is like the wrong scale for this. Yeah. That's wrong. just horrible. You know, that's it's the um childish It's nonsense, the you, I, I took my extremely disgusting position because you made me. I'm always the victim. Right. Yeah. I did not I did not choose this this horrific lifestyle myself. <laughs> wait, wait. This is the, yeah, this is the, uh, you drove me to it. You drove me to I, it. I, yeah. You know, you drove me to it. That you see this with like the, you know, uh, uh, the Andrew Sullivans of the world say, this is what's driven people to the right. It's because of what the left is doing, but taken to just such a disgusting extreme. Uh, where's that from? Yeah, who did it? Who did it? Uh, it's not just a random guy. It's kind of a random guy. He has a substack. He <laughs> refers to himself uh -oh. as a non-woke poet, which is just like a uh, huge oh L. Uh, I, um, I'm not going to say his yuck. name. But he's got tens of thousands yeah, of followers not... himself. Got it. Non-woke non -woke poet. Non-woke poet. poet. That's cool. Uh, I also understand that the Taliban 
uh, expressed their concern about how Andrew yeah. Tate's been treated. So it's a real it's a real who's who's of the fucking worst human beings on earth uh, chiming in. They did have Twitter spaces, right? And also there was a whole thing that the uh, the Andrew Tate video that he posted in which he goes after Greta is what led the Romanian authorities to him. That's not true. Completely baseless. <laughs> just that one, wasn't true, huh? Was not. People just even wanted close that to be to true. true. It wasn't People true. Just it didn't it make sense true. when they said it. Like, I why know. would they? Why would they wait for the pizza boxes? It'd be cool if it was. It, yeah, well, it that's didn't make everyone... sense. I saw people saying that. And I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it was one Twitter account just sort of stated it as fact, and it was too and, good. to And then check. a bunch of actual outlets wrote it up without yeah. doing a lot then of I checking. Think if you went to Andrew Tate's social media feeds, you saw him post a series of videos and messages before that. They were like, "Look at me back in Romania." So it was not. And then, and then as people were correcting it, then there was a group of people who were like. Why are you defending Andrew Tate? It's like what? No, it's just saying what this is the real story. This is why. This is why. This is <laughs> so why the whole thing. Twitter is, needs to go This away. is why I was not on Twitter and why I was focused entirely on building a magnificent dexterity-based bleed build in Elden Ring. Oh my I goodness! I don't know uh, any of that. Uh, what any of that? I don't know. I'm gonna is. use uh, Elijah. I'm gonna use one of my larval tears and I'm gonna respect. Oh my god! I think I'm gonna put some. I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna put some of my points towards. I'm gonna do an intelligence dex build. Huh? Did you win? Of, uh, Did you complete the game? I no, but I'm. I want to respect before I get into the fight. I'm in the land of the giants. Mm, we just lost. Right. Uh, and I really Christ. want. To, I really want to respect my character, and I want to have some sorceries going, so I can do a little bit more range battle because I've been just all decks. I've been put, dumping all my points into decks. Love it. Just lost the third through tenth ballot, <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm still looking for some of the talisman that help you with the bleed build. And I just, don't have. Them. If you're still listening, um. That's our show for today. But I've been using. I appreciate it. Thanks to Elijah Cohn. I use the talisman to increase my ability, my equipment load. And thanks. So I'm using heavy armor, but with a medium roll. To John Lovett, to Matt Gates. And I've been actually just using the hook claws, just the good old hook claws. uh, This just in. This just in. Kevin McCarthy set to lose the third vote. Wow! <laughs> and more Republicans defect to Jordan See, this time. That's not good. See, that's that's, that's that's not that's, good. That's, that's some. That's the writing is the writing is beginning right. to be written on. That the got wall. us off Elden Ring, and now we're out. Bye, everyone. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producers are Haley Muse and Olivia Martinez. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineered the show. Thanks to Hallie Kiefer, Ari Schwartz, Sandy Gerard, Andy Taft, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montu. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash podsaveamerica. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. 
You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.